0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, May 12th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village announces town council candidates. Eyes to ears with Bella Eatman. County completes East End Master Plan survey and a mountain weather forecast. 11 individuals are vying for four seats on Mountain Village's town council. On Friday, Mountain Village announced the candidates for next month's election. Peter Dupre, Oscar E. Gomez, Jonathan Greenspan, Frank Henson, Catherine Jett, Heather Knox, Tucker Maggid, Alison McLean, Scott Pearson, Martinique Davis-Prahaska and Douglas Tooley are all looking to earn a spot on town council. Current Mountain Village Mayor Leila Benitez and Mayor Pro Tem Dan Caton are termed out and cannot seek re-election. The elected council members will join council members Patrick Berry, Jack Gilbride, and Harvey Mogenson to complete Mountain Village's town council. KOTO News will host forums with the candidates in the lead-up to the election. Mountain Village will hold its town council election on Tuesday, June 27th, Voting is open to both permanent residents of Mountain Village and part-time residents who own property in the town. The deadline for voter registration is Friday, May 26th. The world is full of surprises, if you choose to look for them. This week on Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatman finds a valley full. Have a listen.
1: Good evening, and welcome back to your regularly scheduled program, Eyes to Ears. My name is Bella Eatman, and I describe paintings I find in local art galleries. Unfortunately, due to the off-season closing multiple establishments temporarily, there will be possibly a few Fridays wherein I am absent. However... I am here now, and we will describe the painting known as The Valley of Beautiful Surprises by Marketa Sivek. We look up into a beautiful blue sky, the crescent moon still present in daylight. This is in a clear blue sky day, and we know this by seeing the thick and hazy paper white clouds just a bit before our moon. This however fades away the closer to the ground we see the clouds get. All of this is harshly interrupted by the dark chocolate-colored canyons, turning to a lighter shade of brown and green on well-lit hills. At the very foot of these canyons lay a small, lonely white house. It has a blue roof, a small window beneath the crook of the roof, and no doors are seen. A house of solitude. A harsh line resembles the boundary between above ground and below the ground. And one would guess that there would be nothing but darkness underground. However, this isn't true, as the underground is painted with a series of scratches and smears of paints in multiple different colors, mostly shades of blue and brown. I liked seeing this piece as a first painting to talk about while I get back into the routine. Seeing the landscape to the painting felt familiar to the mountains and canyons here. As I took a closer look at the painting, I felt like I began to know what the piece meant to me. It felt partially like the visual embodiment of the phrase, you don't know what's going on beneath the surface. I will elaborate. The landscape of this painting is normal. The house, despite the fact that we can't see the doors, is normal. The sky above is not painted with a night black and clouds and a red atmosphere. But below all that is a chaos that either represents what we don't know or what we can't organize into what is simple, like our minds. The lot of us agree that we don't want our minds to be read sometimes but somehow I'm sure that our minds would sound as jumbled as a concert crowd with horrible tunes as the background music on loop. Thank you for listening. This has been Eyes to Ears. My name is Bella Eatman and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
0: The town of Telluride completed its own community vision and action plan this past summer. Now it's the county's turn. As it updates the East End Master Plan, San Miguel County has been collecting the viewpoints and opinions of residents here in the East End. And it recently completed that survey process. Reporting from a work session of the Board of County Commissioners this week, KOTO's Gavin McGough has the survey results.
2: Planning director for San Miguel County Kay Simonson says the recently completed East End Master Plan survey was a broad document meant to take the general temperature of the community.
3: It's not a scientific survey. It really was gathering thoughts, ideas, opinions. And we asked people to you know tell us what their uh, priorities
2: were. Um, we asked people, there were some questions that were open-ended. Presenting the results to the county commissioners this week, Simonson adds she is showing only the raw numbers without any interpretation. You know, at this point, we're not yet analyzing the survey. We're, we're giving you the data and the facts. Nevertheless, some trends quickly emerge from the survey data. Here, Simonson.
3: We asked people what they were most satisfied with related to the county's quality of life. And they were most satisfied with relationship and access to nature, recreational opportunities, feeling of safety and security arts and culture, and then um, coming down to strength, strength of community down
2: to 29%. Those issues of nature, recreation, and community togetherness appear as themes throughout the survey results. The survey received around 1,300 responses from residents of the county's east end, and the results will be a basis of information for the county as it drafts a vision plan and an updated land use map. Simonson continues, the survey also polled residents on challenges facing the area.
3: Most important topic uh, to focus on 43% said affordability and cost of living, followed by health care, housing opportunities, access to nature and outdoors, environmental uh, preservation, and climate action and adaptation.
2: And questions such as what obstacles to growth face the community, what issues the county should prioritize, and what the county can do to aid economic development. The issue of housing affordability topped the list again and again. Simonson notes some respondents objected to the frequent appearance of the issue.
3: One of the criticisms that I was getting while the um, survey was in process was that we focused too much on affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Well, affordable housing came up in a lot of questions, but they were broader community Mm -hmm. issues where we were listing a lot of them. Uh, And, you know, the same can be said for our transportation questions. Um, So, but, you know, people will read a a survey how they will and, and pick up on, you know, what they are searching for.
2: Commissioners thanked Simonson for her efforts, which also included holding multiple open houses over the past six months. Commissioner Lance Waring noted he was pleased with the wide range of household incomes represented. And Waring continues
4: also the age ratios, and I was happy to see that the age was really picking up the 25 to 34 crowd, and it wasn't all just um, silver-haired folks who own their own homes, but also, I assume, a lot of younger folks who want to stay in the community, and that encouraged me.
2: The county is working with the Urban Planner's design workshop to develop its master plan. In a parallel effort, the master plan will update a land use map for the county's east end, which will guide future development. Simonson clarifies.
3: And an important thing to remember is that a master plan is not zoning. Um, We identify broad land use categories, Um, and uh, for example, um, you know, uh, residential densities, low, medium, high, commercial, industrial. Uh, parks, open space, conservation. Those are all big topics, and there could be multiple zone districts that fit in underneath.
2: So while the master plan will provide a loose outline for land use, which will shape the location of future commercial and affordable housing developments, as well as open space areas, it won't dive into the nitty-gritty. In the coming months, the county will complete a draft of the master plan and return to the public for feedback.
0: San Miguel County officials are continuing to urge caution when it comes to potential flooding in the region this spring and early summer. We're looking at some pretty
4: high water this spring. Um, Fortunately, the weather has been on our side with these extended periods of low temperatures. Uh, That really has served to moderate the melt and allow the more low elevation and mid elevation snow to melt off before that higher elevation snow comes off.
0: That's Shannon Armstrong, Emergency Manager for San Miguel County. Due to the high
4: snowpack that we received this winter, um, and and specifically some of the late season snowpack, uh, hydrologists in the region are predicting that we're going to see a runoff that's 130 to 150 percent of average.
0: Armstrong encourages residents and property owners to take care to protect their homes from potential flooding, noting it is primarily their responsibility.
4: We want to make sure that people know that, you know, the protection of private property does fall on the property owner, but we do have sand and empty sandbags available at the Placerville Firehouse for folks to use if needed. Um, They are kind of limited in quantity, so we don't want people to only use that, but they are available if necessary.
0: On the west end of the county, Armstrong notes she's paying close attention to water releases from McPhee Dam.
4: They're releasing 3,000 CFS out of the dam right now, um, and they plan to continue to release that for at least the next couple weeks. Um, and they might even ramp it up to 4,000. That was a major point of concern for us initially, because at the time we were seeing natural runoff of over 2,000. So 2,000 plus 3,000 equals really big water and uh, definitely was making us a little nervous. However, the natural runoff um, through the Dolores River Canyon has subsided, or subsided, sorry. And right now we're just seeing that 3,000. So we definitely got lucky there. Um, we're not seeing any impacts to major uh, infrastructure, but we are continuing continuing to monitor and will do so throughout this release.
0: River levels typically peak mid to late May and into June. San Miguel County will send out flood-related emergency alerts through its alert and warning platform. Sign up to receive alerts at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. Immigrant Heritage Month is just around the corner, and next week the Wilkinson Public Library is celebrating with an Immigrant Heritage Party. The library welcomes everyone to join in in celebrating immigrant members of our community and encourages individuals to bring a dish or candy from their heritage. The Immigrant Heritage Party will take place at the library on Thursday, May 18th from 4 to 6 p.m. on the Lower Terrace. Governor Jared Polis signed several energy bills into law on Thursday. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports that includes one to reduce Coloradans' utility costs.
2: One of the new laws will require utility companies to take on a percentage of energy price increases. Companies have historically been able to pass on those costs to customers as rate hikes. Bill sponsor, Senate President Steve Fenberg, says it will also help ease the cost of transitioning to renewable energy.
5: This bill is about short-term savings, it's about long-term savings. It's also about making sure that we effectively make this transition in a way that doesn't uh, leave ratepayers on the hook for investments that will be in the ground sometimes for decades, if not longer.
2: The law also blocks companies from recovering certain costs from customers, including expenses for lobbying, advertising, and fines. Another bill Governor Polis signed into law requires Colorado's Energy Office to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from electricity generation and transportation. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver.
0: For many college professors, teaching involves relaying information to students through lecturing. But one public health professor at Fort Lewis College works to develop a two-way conversation with her students. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSJD and KSUT has more.
5: It's late April, and Professor Tapati Dutta is preparing students for final exams.
6: On a morning in 1975, a van bearing the blue and white logo of the World Health Organization on the door drives into a village center. I know
5: she tells the story of a botched public health outreach effort by the World Health Organization. In the story, an outreach team visits a village in India. They arrive in a van with the organization's emblematic logo on the side, a snake coiling around a staff.
6: In this case, the, villagers. the villagers who have a fear and loathing of snakes regard the serpent van suspiciously. An angry murmur of astonishment passes through the gathered group of villages when these men removed large mesh covered cages from the vehicle, open the cages, and out flies a cloud of mosquitoes.
5: The story is Dutta's way of teaching the importance of community trust in public health.
6: So there have been several examples of such community backlash because of lack of community engagement. So there's a
5: In Dutta's class, she explores the middle ground between theory and practice through storytelling.
6: Public health talks a lot about doing things in a democratic way, equity, trustworthiness. There was a huge divide even between people who are working in the field and people who are in the academic world.
5: For Dutta, building trust in public health campaigns is important. Trust is equally important in her classroom. And as a teacher, she works just as hard at building a community as she does relaying information. Part of her strategy is to get to know students individually and incorporate the perspectives of the students into the coursework.
6: Once the trustworthy relationship is developed, like many students come and tell me their relationships with their grandparents, so that it is not that I am trying to learn something new or impose something new, but rather building on what already is there, what I am and what they are, and building on that towards a classroom community. So it is as simple as that.
5: Dr. Dutta says her teaching method draws on her upbringing in India and the traditional relationship between a guru and a student in that country.
6: They would all live with the guru in a place where everybody had to do their stuff themselves from cleaning to washing to do everything. So that is the culture we grew grew up with.
5: Professor Dutta doesn't live with her students, but she frames coursework around the life experiences of students.
6: It is coming from the community and going to the community. I'm just a mere facilitator in the whole process.
5: One student finds similarities between this teaching method and her Navajo upbringing.
7: We share a lot of stories.
5: Camille Keith is an engineering and public health student at Fort Lewis College.
7: We tell a lot of stories through talking or dancing or craft working. I'm hearing, especially from tribal elders, how they pass down the oral traditional knowledge. It was really engaging for me to really feel those emotions.
5: Camille Keith worked on a public health campaign with Dr. Dutta in the last few years. They translated COVID-19 vaccine information into Braille code and into the written Navajo language. The idea came from students brainstorming together in the classroom.
7: It took a process to do the translations, and a lot of research was involved too with um, identifying the different terminology, because Um, Navajo language, um, it was very new, so there wasn't a lot of COVID language terminology out there.
5: Keith says Dr. Dutta's approach to teaching allowed her to combine academic work with her cultural background.
7: She really allowed me to take ownership of the project. Although there was like some challenges and everything was not very pretty at times, but having a great mentor, it really helped tremendously. I really gained confidence in myself
5: Dr. Tapati Dutta has been building community in each class at Fort Lewis College since 2019. She's currently working with Camille Keith on a journal article that will document this approach to teaching. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The low is in the mid-30s. Saturday, there's a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms with partly sunny skies during the day and cloudy skies at night. The high is around 50 degrees with a low near 40. Sunday calls for showers and thunderstorms with a high near 50 degrees. Sunday night should be mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The low is around 40 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, May 12th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary.
8: Hi, this is Douglas Tooley. It's May 12th, 2023. I am a candidate for the Mountain Village Town Council, running as a vocal, independent, critical of both the local Democratic Party and certain real estate Republicans that they collaborate with. Voices of all individuals in this community need to be heard. That is the law and a foundation of this constitutional republic. Yet ever since 2016, my voice has been repeatedly blocked under allegations of personal attack and defamation. This is not lawful and reflects an above the law attitude from our local establishment, as well as a second class beneath the law status for the rest of us. The most recent of these serious criminal attacks was from a Harvard-trained career DC treasury lawyer Elaney Constantine at last June's telluride planning and zoning Commission which she chairs here's Elaney and myself
7: please
3: comment Doug thank
8: you uh, commenting briefly on that uh, transfer warehouse issue you know I think the town did make the right decision in how they decided to proceed however I think it's also clear that there has been damage on the part of the purchasers of those properties and you know we there's been discussion about process both here in the town and the county, and I think this is an example of some of the political effects and the resulting political effects on that process. You know, again, those people have been harmed. The people who are responsible, the individuals who are responsible for those poor decisions are no longer around um, in Telluride, but they are still here practicing regionally at the county and in Mountain Village. So Michelle Haynes, uh, the former mayor, is uh, was appointed as the county judge uh, during covid with no um, effective political notice
3: um doug who do you represent in this manner do you
8: rep- okay ms Constantine's claim that i am representing someone here is a projection of her own duplicitous action let me tell you who she represents eleni represents her dc corporate lawyer husband Duke class of 1981. She represents the former mayor and Wall Street lawyer who presided over the transfer warehouse proceedings, Duke class of 1996. Miss Constantine also represents John Lifton, the project's developer whose children brought the Harvard lawyer, Barack Obama to prominence in Colorado. Eleni also represents the other member of the Democratic party who have engaged in this alleged criminal conspiracy to obstruct justice. That would include several members of the party vacancy committee, replacing County Commissioner Hillary Cooper, as well as one of the five candidates. Let me remind all these individuals that not only are you accountable to the law you prosecute, you're also responsible to hold yourself accountable to that very same law. Thank you.